0: Um, You can be opening your Bibles to Acts 1-8, and that's um, on page 1,080, if you are uh, using the Bible provided for you there in front of you. Um, And I'm glad to see each one of you here today. Um, The news is uh, really going this week, and uh, just hang in there to the end of the service and and, uh, be with us through it all. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to be looking in Acts today. We're, I'm, I've been preaching topically, and I don't usually like to do that, but um, I thought I'd take uh, some time to do that and cover uh, a few things. And so the first few things, uh, we started at the most important place, which is God himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three being God, but the three being one and the one being three. Amen? And that's about the best I can do in explaining it, too. So, we've covered the Father, we've covered the Son, and now today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, which is difficult because, as we'll learn today, the Holy Spirit didn't come to talk about himself, He came to talk about Jesus. So, we can welcome him, we can talk to him, all of that, but he wants to talk to us about Christ. He's the one that makes, the, it makes Christ a reality in our life. And I want you to look at Acts 1 8 because this is, uh, we, we often refer to Matthew 28 18 through 20, which is the Great Commission. And Jesus said, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. But Luke goes ahead and gives us uh, just the moments before he actually ascended into heaven, what was going on. And they had gathered together. He got them together. And uh, they were, uh, uh, it says in verse 4, they told him to stay in Jerusalem and not to, to leave there. And uh, it, it, this is about 40 days after his crucifixion, 10 days before uh, the day we call Pentecost, a uh, uh, A festival day in the Jewish nation and in verse 8 well in verse 6 the disciples asked a question that people are asking all the time especially this week Um, and that is is now the time you came to restore the kingdom and I'll give you the answer Jesus gave that's not for you to know that's what he said he said I don't even know only the father knows and he keeps that for himself he doesn't tell me But look at what Jesus did say in verse 8. And this is how we ought to be living our life every day, including these bad times. He says in verse 8, but you will receive power. Notice that. Let's pause there for a second. Let that part of this soak in. You will, not you might, not you hope to, not we'll see. You will receive, in other words, It's something coming to you, and you can take it in, and the word there is power. This power, we have used this Greek word for a couple of things in our culture, in our day, and a lot of people like to say dynamite, which is true, as dunamos is the word for power, and we get the word dynamite from it, an explosive power, and that's true, but it's also dynamo. It's an ongoing source of power. And it meaning this grace. But, but the person is the Holy Spirit. We never refer to the Holy Spirit as it. He's not an it. He is the third person of the Trinity. And he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you. Wow. How many of y'all would love to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Just raise your hand. Amen. Well got good news for you today you can but the same word will receive says and you will be my witness so if you want to know if you received a full measure of the Holy Spirit are you being a witness are you talking about Jesus to people who need to know him you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and they don't like my preaching, that's all. <laughs> and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Did you catch that? You will be my witness. How far? Say it out loud. The end of the earth, right. That's, that's the text and somebody said everywhere. And that's, I'll, I'll take that that's shorthand for to the end of the earth. So I want to ask another question real quickly. Who is, Who is not to be told about Christ according to that verse no one because they didn't know what the end of the earth was back then right at least those guys didn't maybe somebody did but they didn't so this is a follow-up to the great commission where Jesus said I'll never leave or forsake you how could he say that because I want you to see something while we're here let me go ahead and say it because I didn't put it in the body of the sermon look at the next chapter chapter 2 Uh, My voice is breaking. I'm going back through puberty. Um, Not really. Um, I'm not going to be able to turn the page here. Uh, Chapter 2 and look down at verse 33. Should have done this under Christ, but it's appropriate to do it also under the Holy Spirit. He says, and this he being Peter is preaching. This is part of the sermon at Pentecost when 3,000 people came to know Christ. And he said in verse 32, this Jesus God raised up, and that of which all of us are witnesses, we all saw him. This, uh, then he says, being therefore exalted to the right hand of God. So where is the body of Christ right now? It's at the right hand of God, right? So on this side. And then, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus obeyed the will of the Father and received the promise of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Jesus voluntarily subjected himself to the will of the Father. And now we see that the Holy Spirit has on his, allowing himself to be subject to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean they're unequal. It doesn't mean one's the boss over the other. But they, these are the roles they are playing. And then notice what Peter says. So Jesus receives the promise of the Holy Spirit. In other words, now God the Father says, Jesus, you can use the Holy Spirit as you wish. And then Peter says, He has poured out this that you are seeing and hearing. What was this that they were seeing and hearing? They were seeing the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking, And every man in his own language hearing what Peter was saying, probably in Aramaic, just the backstreet language of Hebrew they were using in those days. And they were hearing it in their language because people of every tongue and nation that they knew of had arrived in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. So here's my point, and I'm going to make it real briefly because we could spend a lot of time explaining this further. If you want the Holy Spirit in your life, you got to go through Jesus. If you want to get to the Father, you've got to go through Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the visible representation of all that God is or has for us. He is the the linchpin of all the things that God is doing in our life. But today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to make a statement and then prove it later. And that is this. If you do not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. Because... Well, I'll explain it. First, I want you to see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. It won't take very long with this. And I'm going to have a lot of scriptures I'm going to mention. I might quote a few of them or read a few of them. Um, but it, if you're trying to write them down, God bless you. But you can go on the app or the website, go to sermons, go to notes. And there is the outline I'm looking at without the full written out scriptures. But all the references are there. And so, we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and guess how far into the Bible you got to get before you see the Holy Spirit? Second verse. Somebody yelled out first chapter, so I didn't have to say that again. First chapter, second verse, right? Genesis 1-2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, there's a lot of concept there that I'll just say it and we'll come back and cover it again. And that is the Holy Spirit is the completer of all God's works. He is the one who completes the task of God's work. All right. So in Genesis 1-2, we see the Spirit hovering. He came in the Old Testament, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but through many individuals. We read over and over and over God's, God's prophets with the Spirit came upon them. Well, why does it say that over and over? Because the Spirit would then leave. He had not been promised to stay all the time with them. And so the Spirit would come on them. They prophesy, I think, of, of Moses, that happened. It happened to King Saul one time, it became a proverb in Israel. As, has Saul become a prophet as well? Because there was a time where the Holy Spirit fell on him. And he prophesied even when he was not doing everything the way he ought to do it. Think about King David. The Spirit would come upon him. Especially when he had to you know, kill giants and lions and bears and multiple armies and things like that. Uh, judges, priests. Many times, Moses, Samuel, uh, Saul, David, Elijah. There are many examples. Even the workers on the temple. God would... The Spirit of God would come on them and give them a special ability to create and to make things and to to do certain things. And so the Holy Spirit would come, but he would leave again because Jesus had not paid the price for him to stay. And last week, Jesus said, it's good for you I go away because the Spirit won't come until I do. And so when the Spirit comes, we all can have God living inside of us. Now people are going to extort that and use that. But we'll get through that. So now I want you to see the Holy Spirit's purpose in the New Testament. And you can hear a lot of people say a lot of things about this. But listen carefully. First of all, the Holy Spirit was present in the conception of Christ. So I'll come back to that in a minute. But remember, the angel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the thing found in you will be called the Son of God, right? Or the, the person there. And so... The Holy Spirit is promised uh, to us. And the New Testament, he comes on Mary to make sure Jesus gets here. And then the Holy Spirit is our assurance of salvation. Um, I want to ask the question, how many of you doubted your salvation? And people will be too embarrassed to raise their hand. And I could ask, how many of you have never doubted that that you were saved? And again, you'll be too embarrassed to raise your hand because you don't want people to think you doubted it. Right? So... I think a lot of people have doubted it but we don't want to admit it and so we don't ever talk about it but I think it's a common occurrence why? because we're humans we know we don't have complete knowledge we don't know what's happening in the next hour right? in fact I know something's going to happen next hour and you don't I may not be here to see it I may fall dead right here standing here but you'll still see it I hope for all those who know what I'm talking about keep going just drag me out and keep going they'll be fine I'm not real worried about that part, you know. But the Holy Spirit brings us an assurance of salvation because he is the one that baptizes us into the body of Christ. Now, baptist is in our name, so we, we really like this word, and I want you to catch this. John seven thirty nine, Jesus said, Now this he said about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Now this is John writing after the fact, now that he can look back and understand it. As for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So now you understand Acts two thirty three, and Peter goes, Hey, we got it now. The Holy Spirit has come upon us just like he promised and it came because Jesus has been glorified. He came because Jesus has been glorified. But Romans eight eleven is where I get that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. Listen to what it says, Romans eight eleven. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, that's a hint you might not remember that phrase dwells in you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who indwells you in other words jesus is telling or the spirit is telling us in the book of romans that the spirit that raised jesus from the dead has to live in us for us to be saved and so when people talk about a second act like well you get saved you want you want jesus to be your savior so you pray and ask jesus to be your savior and he is but that's not enough, you got to wait a little while, and hopefully you'll have some ecstatic emotional experience, and the Holy Spirit will baptize you, and then you'll have all these signs and wonders. Well, that's all bad theology, because the Bible says the Spirit comes at salvation, and if you don't have the Spirit, you're just flat out not saved. It's not a two-fold motion. If you're saved, it's because God took away your sin and lives in you, and if He lives in you, it's the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Somebody say amen. Um, Ephesians 1.13 In him also when you heard the word of truth listen, the gospel of your salvation you believed in him and you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now catch those words. When you did come to Christ the Holy Spirit came to live in you and that's like he sealed you. What does that mean? He put his mark on you and he's the one who holds on to you. You don't hold on to God. God holds on to you. If God was dependent on us to hold on to him, we'd let go. Because some people are holding on to him every Once in a while, we let go, don't we? We try to figure it out for ourselves. We try to work it out for ourselves. We go into worry and figure and all that. When we ought to just bow before God and say, you're God, I'm not. Help me here. You got to do this. And Ephesians tells us he seals us. He is the promise of God for us. In Romans 6, and I I won't read it, six verses. Read the first six verses. I use this when I talk to people about baptism because in case you're not a Baptist or you never heard this and you are a Baptist, the word baptism is not an English word. It became an English word in 1611 when the interpreters of the Bible that we call the the King James Version, actually the authorized version, when they came to that word, they sprinkled babies back then. And we don't believe in sprinkling babies, do we? Right, so we think sprinkling babies is not biblical, right? But drink, drinking grape juice at communion is also unbiblical. So, you know, so we got our own hypocrisy. But having said that, that was kind of a joke. I hope you took that lightly. Um, yeah, you know, God blessed Welch so we could have grape juice. But anyway, he talks about being baptized into Christ. Well, that's not water. If that was the case... If if salvation was about a prayer and getting dunked underwater, I'd put a gun to everybody's head and say, repeat after me, give them, say a prayer. And then I'd say, follow me down here to the river. Now get in there, have somebody put you under and get up. And then I'd put my gun away and go find somebody else. But that didn't do anything for you. What happens is you realize you're a sinner and you need a savior. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit already working on you. You come to Jesus, you say, God, Lord, I am a sinner and you died for my sin. And I want you to be the Lord, the boss of my life. He says, are you sure? Because I'm going to come live with you. And when I do, you're going to have to do what I tell you to do. And you say, yes, that's exactly what I mean. And you do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes you because the Greek word for baptize is immerse. If the Greeks were talking about a ship sinking, they would say the Titanic was baptized in the North Atlantic. It's immersed into it. So when we're baptized by the Spirit, the Spirit comes in us. He's, he's in us. He's on us. He's around us. He's in front, back, above, below. You are covered in the Holy Spirit. And Romans 6 says that you're baptized by the Spirit into Christ. And then he, he came also to fill us. Now, this is why we get confused. The Bible says we can be filled many, many times. Because, I, you know, I have to drink water up here. My mouth goes dry really fast. And so, uh, thankfully, Pastor Andy puts this out here for me. And I, talk, and, and I always took the label off. He's even doing that for me. I really appreciate it. Because unless there's a water company who wants to, you know, support us, I'm not going to advertise for you. But this bottle is full of water. If I want it full of Grape juice, since we were talking about that, what would I have to do? I'd have to pour out the water first, put the grape juice in, right? So you can't fill the same space with two different things at the same time. You can, but you, you don't get a pure of either one. So the Holy Spirit will only go where you give him room to get into. So you have to get rid of the sin in your life for him to fill you completely. And the Bible says we ought to be filled with the Spirit. And he says, always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is so when you realize you've sinned, because the Holy Spirit's going to tell you that. I'll show you that in a second. When you realize you have, you stop right then, confess the sin, say, Lord, get rid of this. I'm going to turn away. I'm not going to do this anymore. And you open up more. I give you this area of my life. I give you this area of my life. Somebody wrote a little booklet about my heart, Christ's home. And they use the illustration of Jesus coming into your house and starting cleaning up your house. And everybody always thinks their house needs cleaning. And you're probably right. And so the Holy Spirit comes in and we, yeah, we, we give him the kitchen. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat like he wants me. And we give him this room and that room and that room. And in that little book, he comes to a door and says, what's in here? And the person whose house, it's whose house, he says, you don't need to worry about that. I got that one. And God says, give me the key. And he said, no, no, I'll take care of it. no. Hand me the key. And until you hand him the key, Jesus doesn't have all of you. And when you hand it to him, he opens up the closet of your pet sin. And he wants to clean that out of your life. And if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to give him all the keys to your life. That makes sense, doesn't it? Can you say amen, even though you might not have done it? (laughs) Amen, yeah. All of us have those areas where we want to... We think we're getting away with it, but the Bible says in Hebrews, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, for God sees everything. The Spirit of God sees all that we do and think, and so He comes to fill us. And Ephesians 5, 18, don't get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. John 7, 38, and 39, whoever believes in me, Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not been glorified. I've already read that once, but the first part of that is, he'll flow out of you like rivers of water. Do you feel like, and I just want you, I hate to use the word Feel. But does it seem to you that every day God is just gushing out of you so that anybody that comes around you is getting soaking wet like, like a fountain was just boiling out of your life? Well, that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, according to Jesus. That the Spirit will come gushing out of you like a river of living water. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? So, would you agree with me? Everybody's really quiet because you're feeling like, hmm. Would you agree with me in... Feel like I do, that like maybe I'm not giving the Holy Spirit enough of me. God's given all of himself to us, but he can only fit in the space we give to him. Because that's what he said he would do. And when we are filled, he comes gushing back out into people around us. And then we don't have to teach you three steps to witnessing. You won't be able to help it. He gives us the assurance of that salvation. i already read Romans eight eleven. If you skip down a few verses to verse 13, he says, All are led by the Spirit of God, are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. We're the very children of God. And if we're children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. Did you catch that? Provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him in sanctification. I'm afraid America has become a country of a lot of believers in a Jesus that doesn't let you suffer. And that is totally unbiblical. A call to Christ is a call to suffer. No, that's not right. A call to Christ is a call to die. And it starts by dying to yourself. It may end up with your life being taken by somebody else for the sake of the gospel. But the spirit coming to your life is predicated upon that you die to yourself and say yes to him. I don't want my way, I want your way and so take all of me. And he kills the old man that was in us and he puts a new man in us. There's not an old nature and new nature fighting. The old has passed away. All things become new. If you then are risen with Christ, seek the things that are above. If you've been raised from the spiritually dead, you ought to seek heaven and seek God's will and do his will. Because now God is resident within us. And he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Time is going to escape me to be able to take any detail on that we've talked about it before a lot but in Galatians 5:16 to 18 he says walk by the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the and the desires of our spirit are against uh, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to one another for by doing the things you want to do but if you're led by the spirit you're not under the law if you're led by the spirit you'll do what God wanted you to do. So he gives us the fruit of the Spirit, and then it lists them out. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, kindness, mercy. All these things, long-suffering. He he gives us the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We begin to live, and we ought to emphasize that more than gifts. If you emphasize the fruit of the Spirit, and let the fruit of the Spirit define your life, you'll exercise your gift without even knowing what it is. It helps to know what it is. It might help to know what you're gifted in. But the fact is, if you're led by the Spirit, you'll do what the Spirit gave you to do. You'll just, you'll just live in that, in that place. But then we also need to see the character that He brings to us. In Galatians 5, and then verse 25 and 2, and that's where He lists the fruit of the Spirit. We ought to be living them out. I've already kind of quoted it. And he he ends by saying, if we live by the Spirit, we'll keep in step with the Spirit. In John 14, 17, Jesus said, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus promised not only will he be with you, but he'll be in you. And then he reminds us of Jesus and what Jesus taught. In John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, into all the truth, for he will not speak by his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He said, "The Holy Spirit will hear from me, and I, and he will be the one telling you what's going on." And we have it in the Scripture now. And then he helps us in our witnessing, not only in our character, he helps us in our witnessing. I already quoted; we we already read Acts one eight. He said, "You will be my witnesses." A witness is just someone who tells what they saw. If you don't know how to witness, maybe you hadn't seen anything. But if you can say, well, I know I was blind, but now I can see. I was spiritually blind, but he came in and opened my life. Now I can tell you how that happened. I stopped and I said, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. And Come in, be the boss, be the Lord. I don't want to rule my life. I want you to rule my life. And you can tell people, I turned my entire life over to Christ and he changed everything. And Jesus says that in John 15. When the helper comes, I will send him to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, He he proceeds from the Father and will bear witness about me. I've read Acts 1.8. And then he brings, but I want you to catch, he brings conviction and he brings convincing into our life. In John 16, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. There's a lot of people giving their opinion today. Have you noticed that? And, and now we got multiple ways for them to make sure you hear their opinion. And an opinion is like an armpit. Everybody's got one and they all stink. <laughs> the only one that matters is what Jesus says right? The only opinion that holds any sway is God's opinion. And so the Spirit comes to convict us of our sin, to convict us that we lack in righteousness, to convict us that judgment is coming. Again, we in America have gotten used to the, to the thinking that God's going to spare us from any suffering. And nothing could be further from biblical truth. He promises if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. A bunch of things going through my head. I'm stopping myself. Maybe we'll get to it later. But he says concerning sin because they don't, they don't believe in me. You've got to understand sin before you believe in Christ. Concerning judgment. As concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is going to be judged. Isn't that good? (laughs) Jesus is saying, Satan's the ruler of this world, but he's going to be judged. You can read about that at the end of the book, Revelation, I mean. We we talked about it last week. In fact, I read too much of it, maybe. But in Revelation 20, you can see what happens to to that old dragon. Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to teach us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scriptures breathed out. You know the word spirit and the word breath is the same word. Pneuma. It's a word. You know what a pneumatic tool is? That's a tool that runs on air. So pneuma is the spirit. He's the breath. Jesus said, You can't see the spirit, but you can see the results of it. When the wind blows through the trees, you hear it. You see the leaves rattling, but you can't see the wind. That's how the spirit is. He's not seen, but you see the effect and what is the effect? We know Christ. We talk about Christ. We see Christ changing people's lives by our witness and our life. And as a body, we see God doing things. That is the scripture. And that, that spirit breathed out the Bible to men who wrote it down. And then he leads us in understanding it. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. So the reason we can know what the Bible says and understand it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit in us while we are reading it. You can get somebody with a world-class education, a PhD, and if he's a lost man, he doesn't understand a bit of this. And then I've known people that were not basically illiterate. They were illiterate they're with the Lord now someone that I did know personally who held a Bible open in her lap and said Lord you know I can't read this but you got to teach me how to live according to this and God did and she did until she died well she didn't die she just (laughs) left here and went to heaven and all that became reality to her but I want you to see one other thing The Holy Spirit is a completer. I I started off with this. I want to come back to it. Genesis 1-2 The earth was out form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. Then God speaks and that God is Jesus speaking because he is the Word of God. I don't know if you have put this together yet. The Father had a will. Yes we'll create a universe and we'll put all this stuff in it. Jesus commands it. He is the Word of God. John 1-1 So Jesus is the one that said, light. exist, boom, light was there. Did Jesus do it? The Holy Spirit completed. The Spirit was there hovering. First he says, separate the waters from the water. And he made that canopy we've talked about. Dry land starts appearing. Make plants. Make animals. Make light. Make all these things. But then Jesus comes down himself and forms man out of the dust of the ground and breathes into him the breath of life. He breathes the Holy Spirit into Adam and Eve. Right? Right? You might not have ever put that together before, but did I say anything that was not true? I, I don't think I did. If I did, please tell me later, and I'll come back and correct it. But I want you to understand, the Spirit completed everything Jesus did. Now, this is hard for us to get, because we have talked so fuzzily about God our whole lives. We just say, God. Well, are we talking about a specific part of the Trinity or the whole Trinity? yes. We are. <laughs> That's always the right answer, right? But think about this. Why did the prophets in the Old Testament prophesy Jesus was coming? Because the Spirit told them what to write. Correct? So, one example, and there's 330 of them. Isaiah 7:14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name God with us. I, I mentioned the incarnation Luke 135 and the angel answered Mary the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you and therefore the child will be born will be called holy the son of God he he filled Jesus John three thirty four. 34 I don't, I don't know if you've I've said this a lot, that Jesus did everything he did as a human filled by the Holy Spirit. The reference is John 3, 34. For by whom God has sent, utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Jesus had no sin to get rid of for the Holy Spirit to fill him, right? You remember, just think back a second to when Mary went to visit Elizabeth. Mary is newly conceived, But Elizabeth is in the third month, sixth month, sixth month. And when she gets there, John the Baptist goes, woo, in Elizabeth's womb. And she's she's filled with the Spirit, and she prophesies. And then Mary starts singing, because the Holy Spirit was so excited. Hey, you got to know who's over there. That's Jesus in there. Newly conceived, and there are liars Filled with the power of the dragon, who will tell you today, no, that was just a clump of cells. No, it was the very Son of God in Mary. Anyway, so the Spirit it fills him without measure. He lived a perfect life by the power of the Spirit, John eight twenty nine. And whoever, And he who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He said, I do what's pleasing to the Father, and so the Spirit is always with me. And then he promises the Spirit will always be with you. In the same way, exactly the same way. He will fill you. If not, what Jesus did is frustrating to us because we can't do what he told us to do. If Jesus did what he did just merely because he was God, then it would take a God to do it. But it doesn't. It takes a spirit-filled person to do it. And you won't be filled with the spirit if you're not willing to be. You won't be filled with the Spirit unless you know Christ and you want to know the power of God. But Philippians says, knowing him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Don't forget, it's the power of the Spirit allows you to suffer. Our Christian brothers and sisters are dying today in Gaza and Palestine and Israel. By the way, three-fourths of all Christians in those lands are Arabs. And if you're a Jew, or if you're a Muslim, without Christ, when you die, you go to hell. Don't forget that startling fact. Jesus is filled with the Spirit, and we can be filled with the Spirit to lead the life He calls us to lead. Do you understand the Spirit Helped Jesus give his life on the cross? Hebrews 9, in verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience for dead works to serve the living God? The Spirit helped Jesus offer his life on a cross. And he was there at the resurrection. He is the one who raised... You say, well, Jesus said, I lay my life down, I pick it up. Yeah, I know. But aren't Jesus and the Father and the Spirit one? So it's not a problem. But here's what it says in Romans 8, i already read it, but now we're going to apply it differently. For, but if the Spirit of him who raised from the dead, Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Because, the, because Jesus had to totally trust the Father. You know why you, you worry about your salvation? Because you're worried about what's going to happen when you die. We just don't like put it in those terms. Because you know that when you die, you're helpless to stay alive, and you have nothing to do with what's going to happen next. Right? Jesus had to go through that on a cross. And the Bible says, And he entrusted himself to the one who said, I will not suffer your body to see corruption. It will not make it three days past death before you start to rot. I'll raise you from the dead by the power of the Spirit. You with me? Is the Scripture starting to kind of get together for you in your mind? The Holy Spirit interpreted or led men to write the Scriptures, which all talk about Jesus. He came to us to tell us about Jesus. He came to us, convince us, and convict us of sin and righteousness, how we ought to live and how we're not living, and how we need to be right. And that judgment's coming on the world. So we need to go to that condemned world and tell them there is only one escape from this. And it's not a a, a political party. It's not a particular place. Our safety is in Christ. And in Him alone. Because nobody gets out of here alive. And so you might as well live for Him and live in Him. So that when the day of death comes, no matter where it is, you can say, Woo! Thank the Lord. I'm coming home. That's what he says. The Holy Spirit's the completer. But here's the question. Has the Holy Spirit completed you?